Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hotline League. Oh my gosh, we just had a crazy rumble stage. Has MSI recovered itself? Do we never need to worry about the format changes again because we've all forgotten about it over the course of rumble stage? There's going to be so much to talk about in this episode of Hotline League where Mark and I are uh, sleep-deprived because it's impossible to ever hold an international event in a time zone that is convenient for people in Los Angeles until Worlds this year. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, tickets go on sale and games start at doors open at midnight um, in, mm -hmm. <laughs> in New York. And uh, we'll the, be passing uh, out sponsored blankets and pillows for people to take naps in between the games. There's, the there's Chinese ticket sites you'll, you'll need to use. Anyway, thank you to Alienware and Grubhub for sponsoring the show. Uh, my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman, is here. Uh, how's it going, Mark? Uh, it's going good. So as much as we can complain about the format, I have to say the games themselves mostly delivered. It's yes. been a good rumble stage. I think um, I think we have ended up closer to where we started than you ever would have thought in the middle. Uh, <laughs> but more or less, it, it, it went to chalk in air quotes uh, when you look at the end result. But it was a good ride to get here. Uh, and I had a lot of fun watching the games this week. Winter chalk. I've never heard that phrase before. What is what I like? No, let me Google it to make sure I didn't just make some shit up. Okay. Well, we're going to, we can always, you know, just continue to use it. And then... What does it mean to go to chalk? The term chalk in sports betting simply means that the side of the bet is the favorite to win that side of the bet. Gotcha. So, like, yeah. So the four, the four teams expected ended up in roughly yeah. the. The way. In, so Mark, in roughly the order you would expect, yeah. Just so you all know, this is evidence that Mark has gotten into gotten into sports betting recently, and gotten so, into uh, recently. He's going to be very upset if results don't go well for him in the future on this show. He's going to be very angry. I say what I want to move the line to help me make more money on my bets. Yeah, exactly. He because uh, I know the Vegas odds setters are listening to Hotline League. So he always bets against himself, I guess is what you Yes. Saying. Yeah, exactly. never trust a guy because I'm trying to drive the line away from my bet. Well, we've learned a lot this episode. Oh, uh, oh okay. So first off, I want to apologize about a couple of things. One, we don't have a guest uh, because it's actually really hard to get a guest that is watching MSI and is also available at this time because a lot of people are not or they're traveling internationally or whatever so um it just made it made it tough so we don't have a guess but that's okay because there's enough to talk about that i don't i don't think that we're going to need one i tried to get raz but raz was like i'm busy during that time so if he shows up in twitch chat at any point in time during the show you guys know um as if he could never tune in for any reason other than i don't have two hours free in a row yeah, yeah. or just doesn't want to do it Secondly, I, I woke up from a nap about 20 minutes ago uh, because I'm tired. And uh, it's actually really hard to cover these events internationally. I'm so fucking tired of having to do these inverted sleep schedules and interview players over Zoom. And they can't even see me. Did you know that, Mark? Now, now Riot has removed the ability for the people that we are interviewing over Zoom to see us. So they just put their headset on and my voice comes through and then they talk into the camera. You should play a game show with them. Uh, guess what's in my hand. And 
<laughs> instead of doing an interview you just play this it's like 20 questions that would actually be such a hilarious uh way to like poke at riot for not for not doing it the problem is yeah. riot you can even... decides what requests they decide to pass on to the teams and so you know it's just that's a great way to uh get my my requests not passed on It'd be a great sponsorship plug, though. Guess what's in my hand? It's an Alienware computer, an M13. Yes. You know what I, I think uh, teams love? They love it whenever I am showcasing competing sponsors and in interviews with their players. Well, what what can you do? You got better sponsors than them. Don't be salty about it. That's what I'll tell the them teams, as they yeah. are denying all my interview requests. Okay. What else? Uh, Kelsey is upset that, uh, she no longer has access to sub calls. I don't, yeah, that must be it's like probably Kelsey issue. I think I feel like it's also a Travis issue where he just starts ban. He goes on these like rage sprees. If you mention cats or something, he'll start removing privileges. You know, he'll, he'll like unmod me for a little bit in his Twitch chat because I'm, I'm spamming something that he doesn't like. What um, should we talk about on the show, Mark? Uh, we could talk about, okay. Oh, so you have an idea. So some actual things to talk about uh, regarding MSI. I, I was doing the the daily JLXPs with Jet, and like it's funny to listen back to them now to like hear the overreactions and like just in general to things because um, like T1 didn't just end second; they beat RNG at the last minute, and they've looked hella dominant even in their losses. You know, so it's like everyone was like, "Oh, T1's the best team with this tournament." Coming out of groups and like you were setting up to be like, they were overrated the whole time. And then day one, end of day, this day happens. You're like, oh, maybe they're actually still the favorites for the tournament. And then like G2 going on that 0-5 run, you're like, oh my God, they're going to get memed on so hard for fucking bustering out. Then they recover and beat NA again to 6-0. And it felt like all the funny narratives that were building died on the last day. Um, and that's where everything kind of went as expected. I think the biggest upset was EG not dropping a game to a minor region team. I would have to go back and check to see when's the last time NA did not drop to, I shouldn't even say minor region, other pool twos at this point, you know, like, has that ever happened before? Like, it's I mean, just weird to have our world, team be consistent. Especially in a world where G2 is dropping them, right? Like, that. Yeah, I think uh, that, G2, that was really fascinating. <laughs> G, G2 went three... And one or one in three against the other pool twos, but somehow six owed EG. It's like what the fuck? No, last night when I was thinking about this, because all the the EU fans came out of the woodwork to be shitty whenever uh, G two like, sorry, not all people really get upset whenever I paint with a pride brush. Some of the EU fans came out to be shitty whenever uh, G two six owed. And one of the things I was thinking about is like if if at the start of Rumble stage you went to any fan and said. One team in this group will lose to Saigon Buffalo and drop both their games to PSG uh, and end the, the group five and five. Like, which which would you expect? And I feel like almost everybody would have said, like, EG. Like, it's actually fascinating that that ended up being uh, G2. So, yeah, I don't know. I it's it's a weird one. It, it was, it's still been a weird... Like, it's the weirdest way you probably could have gotten these results. Where, like, yeah. T1 dropped a game to EG for, like, the first time in forever. It feels like, like yeah, a the fake first game, team has so lost in North America. Since CLG in uh, 
yeah msi like the first msi or i don't know maybe the second i forget i forget when they became msis and not all-stars but regardless uh yeah it's it's been fascinating but to your point like we're kind of back where we expected to be i mean one of the things that was just really funny was we like on both this show and rift reaction the show i did with emily like the one of the big questions we posed was like will t1 drop a game uh and then right at the start of rumble stage we get the answer to that question so i it's just it's been a it's been a wonky wonky situation yeah Um, it's it's been weird I'm trying to think if there's stuff outside of MSI to talk about. Um, I like patch twelve ten hit, which will have very big implications to the game because this is like their making everyone die slower patch. Um, but I don't think that's really relevant for this show. Yeah, um, somebody has something crazy to say. Oh, Belveth came out. She's the ugliest. Sh- I shouldn't. I shouldn't flame it this hard. She does not seem to fulfill the fantasy that was promised from her pre-release marketing, is what I'll say. I don't know if you've seen any of this. Yeah, it's like the uh, the monster. I don't know what's that meme. It's like the monster you have versus the monster at home, or, or we have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you have you seen any of this stuff? I know we don't normally I, talk about this. No, I, I, I saw care. the like the cinematic pre- premiere, which looks sick and reminded me a lot of the like Diablo Four uh, cinematic. In terms of just like, oh, like this is really fucking creepy and weird and all that stuff and, and really well made. And then, yeah, I've seen like gameplay clips and just sort of like. <laughs> she just floats and around. slaps. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's one of the things that prompted me. I, I had an Elden Ring tweet where I was just like sucking Elden Ring off and you said I was spoiling about like they get presentation value so right in Elden Ring. Like if they say something's going to be hype, it ends up being hype. This is a minor spoiler. There's a character called General Radon, the Star Scourge, the Conqueror of the Stars. He learned gravitational magic to, like, conquer them. It sounds fucking hypey. They say he stopped the stars. Like, what does this mean? Like, this guy sounds insane. You fight him. It's awesome. It's incredible. And then when you beat him, the stars unfreeze because he's no longer stopping them. And you get this crazy meteor shower. It's, like, fucking amazing. And then... This is like, it's the Empress of the Void. She's here to destroy your reality. All these other champions are scared of her. And then you see in the game, it's just like a fucking mana ray, just like, Aah! and I'm like, this thing's going to destroy reality. Like, I just can't. I fucking can't, man. It's just, I think it's just one of the side effects of like the way that the game, like if the, and I have no idea if it'll ever come out, but if the, uh, MMO ever comes out, I am sure they will execute on having this character look really cool. But there's only yeah. so much you can do whenever something is like top down and has to attack a tower and be roughly the same size as all the other characters in the game and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I yeah, get but it, like, but it is it is funny how that. It's just out. like I just can't believe that like this creature is going to destroy the world by slapping it to death. Like goddamn buildings, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like at least like Aurelian Soul for his power fantasy shoots a, like it doesn't do the damage you think it would, but he shoots a giant, ever expanding black hole down the lane. You know, well, like, Vel- Velcos is a better comparison, I think, because it's right, like, yeah, like shoots a laser beam out of its eye. Yeah, like Cho'gath will like eat your face off. You know, like he'll actually eat you. Like Urgot will do like a meat grinder thing. Like all these other champs in the game have like. 
for the most part, Riot actually does do a good job. It's just that's, I think, why this one stands out so much of being so far away from the fantasy that was promised. Well, you watched anything good lately? Um, Watching season four of The Circle. It's been good so far, but I'm scared because I've always hated the way they do their, like, final voting, and I don't know if it's changed for this season. Uh, I want to watch Love, Death, and Robots. This Survivor season fucking slaps. It's probably one of my favorite Survivor seasons ever, if not my favorite. I just like all the competitors. Even the ones who I don't like like them as people. They're still, like, fun to watch, maybe. Uh, this this has been incredible Survivor. Um, we watched Multiverse of Madness. Did I say that last time we were here? Yeah, it was so bad. It wasn't so bad. Oh my god. This is this is what blows my mind, guys. This is what blows my mind. Mark is oh I need to be careful about this because last time we talked about this I got flamed in the spoilers! YouTube. Spoilers! No, 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 there's no there's I'm not gonna talk about any spoilers. It just blows my mind because like that movie so many of the dramatic moments in it are it's such poor execution. And it, it is like mega nineties cheese. And you, Mark, I consider somebody who is, like, very good at discerning, like, something that is actually pretty well made from something that is, like, failure, failed in execution. Like, it is odd but for me, this for is, instance. this and is that, what it like, was going for. We, we should probably, like, create a separate show where we discuss stuff. But it's, like, odd to me, for instance, that you have such a, an issue with, like, the later Matrix movies. But then you're like, oh, yeah, but this... This Doctor Strange movie is good. But you know what I but mean. But this is, but it's this is a Sam Raimi movie. It's like he does campy and cheesy, and I like Evil Dead. I like Drag Me to Hell. I like sure, campy, but this is that's horror. but Marvel is not those things. Like Marvel, Marvel has actually Marvel. become a like well crafted like people could make fun of if they're commercial or whatever. But like generally speaking, you know what you're gonna get whenever you go into a Marvel movie, and it's something that is yep. like fairly sensical. Fairly well executed, not cheesy. Like the moments are dramatic and well done, not particularly cheesy. And um, and like this, and I and I do like that they have t done like genre trope stuff. Like they've like this is our heist movie now. This is our whatever. But this, but they still stay within the framework of what you expect from a Marvel movie. And like this was not that at all. Like if I wanted to go watch like a cheesy Sam Raimi movie. They should have created, he should have created some like cheesy version of everything everywhere all at once or whatever. That's like horror or whatever. Like he should not have, they should not have given him the reins to like a, a movie. Like for instance, you compare this even just to the first Doctor Strange movie. And like, I'm not even yeah, saying the different. first Doctor Strange movie is like particularly great, but it is much more within the realm of what your expectations are for a Marvel film than like whatever the fuck that was. I mean, I, I I don't I just don't care about Marvel. I don't I don't hold Marvel to be like it has to be this way. Like it, this is the Marvel vision. You know what? I don't care if they troll one of their things. I prefer this over Eternals. Eternals it's about, is just it's fucking about boring expectations. Oh, well, I every everything is better than Eternals. That is the worst. Yeah, uh, that's my point. It's like you know, like I understand people might not like the Sam Raimi choices. I was laughing my ass off at how fucking stupid and cringe it was at points because it's just like. I don't know. Like, I, it's someone who knows what they're like. Either they, you, 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 you should not create like it's the same thing. Like, it's the same thing as if they had him do like a Star Wars movie or whatever, right? Like, there's an expectation. It's it's about promise versus payoff. 
uh, mark. And mm-hmm. this is, they failed at the promise. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I I tweeted out, I could see how most Marvel fans would fucking hate this movie, especially like if you're fans of these characters because it's such a whack-ass movie. Um, but I don't care. And I knew it was a Sam Raimi movie and I knew it was going to be like this. And so my expectations, the promises that were given to me paid off because they, they put in all the camp I was expecting. It was as, as campy as... What as, do you uh, mean they put in all the camp you were expecting? You can't like expect somebody to walk into a movie and be like, ah, Sam Raimi directed this movie. That means it's going to be this and this. Like even the marketing did not put in a ton of campy. Like I, I would even be more that's okay with it. That's the marketing's problem. Well, no, no, that's my point. Is that I would almost be more okay with it if they had correctly marketed this. If you look at, the, I would agree with that. If yeah. you look at the marketing for this film, it is like this is going to become a badass Doctor Strange epic movie where he's like doing all this stuff, and what you get is like. Something that is the the uh, shitty off off tone TikTok noise that people use. I need to send you a TikTok about about that Kelby sent me uh, previously yeah. about. Uh, I don't think I know the reference, so yeah, send it. But but I I mean like I agree the marketing did not help. I think they like do it's like they hired Sam Raimi to do this, but then when he did it, they're like, wait a minute, why did we do this? You know, like this. I mean, I, I think they definitely should be asking themselves that question after that movie came out. I mean, minute, they, they probably doing? should, but like, I don't know what you expected. Um, because like, yeah, he's going to do this shit. And like, uh, when you say like, I do follow directors relatively closely. So like when I watch a Coen brother movie or like a Fincher movie or a Nolan movie, I kind of know what I'm getting a lot of the time. And so like, yeah, this was like what I expected the movie to kind of be. Yeah, but when you watch those things, it's, you know what you're expecting because the um, marketing, like, push it. Like, you see, uh, um, uh, what's the, the famous Nolan movie with... Uh, Tenet? In, no, in uh, Incep- Inception. Yeah. Uh, like, you look at that the marketing for that, and you know the story that they're telling you, and, like, you understand why what you're going to get when you walk in there. If I walked in there and it had been like a buddy comedy, I'd be like, well, this is weird. You know what I mean? And so I just don't, well, I don't think that like it is reasonable to, you walked in there because you're like, Sam Raimi makes shitty superhero movies. And look, he made a shitty superhero movie. That's great. <laughs> I I love, I love how cheesy this was. It reminds me of the highly reviewed Spider-Man three, where Spider-Man jumps in front of the American flag and poses. Uh, it and, does. And, and See, you, dances you in the street is, as like an horror. emo, as an emo kid. And wow, it's so great so that I, I got I what I was those. told. I, I hated those as a kid growing up. I hated Spider-Man 2 and 3. Um, but now as an adult, going back and watching those and knowing that he's just this fucking goofball, I actually enjoy them. Because I do like Drag Me to Hell and his horror stuff. Um, so now like it's like, I, it's like a joke I didn't get when I was younger. And now I get it and I enjoyed it. And I think a lot of people uh kind of are on the outside it's not like a, it's not like a high level like gigabrain joke i just mean like either it tickles your funny bone or it doesn't and especially if you're like marvel is this it's this wasn't what you expected but if you it just depends where you got your expectations set from if yeah you got i just from didn't the marketing so like and i hate i fucking hate this term it's overused on the internet i don't have a better word for it so i apologize for using it it's so fucking cringe there are so many moments where I was just like, thank God this is a theater with the big recliner seats so that I can just slowly sink down in my chair and feel super cringed out at these moments. I laughed at them. I laughed at them because they're so cringed. 
don't kill the part of you that, what is that what is that saying don't kill the cringe kill the part of you that cringes i killed that part long ago in that movie uh felt great well should we talk about league of legends esports jojo pian had a better rumble rumble stage than caps jojo pian Wow, we both fucked up. What did you <laughs> really? Fucking talk, this is what happens Marvel. when we're sleep deprived. Everybody, you cannot watch League of Legends esports content right now, including the broadcast, without hearing people stumble in their ability to say things because uh, I, the, the the Kobe Draco stuff was so unhinged. Uh, Jojo Pion had was. a better international performance than Bjergsen has had in years and years and years. Okay, so that one is probably actually not as contentious of a take. Um, it's so funny because I, I, I tweeted one I fucked up the tweet because I forgot I thought the 2014 Worlds was the one where they preceded the number one season to bracket stage that was 2013 so I misspoke but I tweeted that like you know oh Jojo had done what Bjerg never did at a Riot tournament he actually did that in 2014 then I addendumed it to be he had done what Bjergsen had only done once before in his entire career and he did it in his first split at his first tournament Jojo Pion got out of groups um, then people funnily enough like started talking about IEM which like I wasn't talking about it's not a riot tournament those don't exist anymore like there's no way for jojo to go to a second tier tournament and win it for na those there's there are no second tier international tournaments in the entire league ecosystem anymore it's just like an unfair comparison so i'm only doing riot ones and then people were like yeah well they did it without beating eu at all and it's like whatever they beat t1 and they didn't drop a game to the minor two or the other pool two teams which most na teams do um so like yeah i think jojo had had an incredible uh, rumble stage. Yeah. And I, I think, think the caps point would be very contentious. I would, I would have to go back and like actually rewatch the games when I'm not watching in the middle of the Is night. Is that the next like, blame game? No, maybe. I don't know. I haven't decided on this week's blame game yet, but, um, caps had higher highs for sure. They were like, Jojo is never one V nine. Um, and caps sometimes was one V nine and hard carrying them during the win streak. But then on that 0-5 streak, he was pretty bad. And even in the game that they broke the loss streak, I mean, I know he was put into a disadvantageous matchup into the cannon uh, in order to get broken. Like, he did that for the team. But again, it wasn't like he, he did anything that special. So JoJo was very consistent. Uh, going up against Zhaohu, Caps, and Faker as a North American 17-year-old mid laner to not be a problem is actually incredible. Usually our mid laners go and get dookied on by other mid laners and we're like, oh shit! Like, there's just this gap, and there was because we've there been was sending no... EU mid laners. <laughs> there was there was no gap really. Like, they they might have played better than JoJo, but it was, he was not getting gapped, which I think was um, very refreshing to see. Especially considering that my blame game coming out of group stage was that our young North American talent were arguably the weakest performers on the team. Um, during the group stage, out of group stage, I would say it was like between Inspired and JoJo as the best performer um, for EG. Yeah. I mean, and it was cool to see. Uh, I don't know. One of the things I, I've enjoyed is that uh, this team feels like it has gotten better over the course of the tournament. I, I interviewed Inspired and he kind of like contested that a little bit. But, um, you know, normally I feel like we send teams and then there's just like some issue where you're like wow the jungler just like completely failed during this entire tournament or whatever like people can't seem to get their shit figured out whereas like i i feel like 
EG's bot lane was struggling when we first got there. Mm-hmm. And then like they got their shit together and started having some good games towards the end. And maybe in a different format that would not happen because this is like two weeks of best of ones uh, and endless games. And so they had the space and the time to actually start to get it together. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's been cool to see. It, it is okay, like hard so- to imagine another time besides maybe what Team Liquid, uh, Team Liquid's MSI run where in recent history where like it feels good to watch an NA team. And like, I know it sucks that we went zero six against G2, but like, I don't know. I felt pretty good watching EG in, in the, in most of yeah. their rumble stage matches, even all the ones they were losing. Yeah. Yeah. I think even, even the losses were usually like, except for that most recent RNG one where they just got kind of stomped in the ground. There was at least like some competition to them. So I was happy watching EG. Uh, some people were, were saying that it's not a mid dominant, like a mid mid lane meta, but uh, I don't know what what year you or what patch. That, that's how it was during the regular season. But the current meta, the most played is Ari, then LeBlanc, Twisted Fate, Galio, Vex, Zoe, Silas. There's some Trinomir, there's some Yasuo. Like it's mostly assassins or burst mages in the mid lane. Like it's it's pretty pretty skill expressive mid laners right now, with Galio maybe being the exception. Well, there you go. So I, guess... I actually think. Oh, good. No, no, I was gonna say like I think the fact that JoJo was not getting exploited in this current mid meta does does say things. Let's uh, get some callers going, uh, folks. Let's let's help us figure out what to talk about. Uh, because I do think it could it could end up being a shorter episode. I know every time we say this, it never ends up being one, but um, I, there's not much that's happened outside of MSI this ha- this week, so feel free to get creative with your takes uh, because I think if we're all just going to take a bunch of calls that are like, secretly EG's better than G2, or I don't know, uh, the West sucks, or so, you know, it's like, let's, I want to... Not that we can't have those conversations, but hopefully we, we can kind of broaden our palette. So get put your thinking caps on and think uh, about more than just caps. Something's wrong because you said Kelsey lost her caller power. I can't drag people. Really? I can't say move to. I can kick them and disconnect them, but I can't. Can you Can you drag them to the room? Yeah, I can. The move to button's just dead. I guess I have to drag them one room at a time because my Discord's too small to like. I mean, there's it so many people like a in Discord here. Discord bug because there's no reason why you should like. Yeah, no, no. I, I was able to drag them. I just had to do it. Oh, I dragged the wrong person. Wait, I got. I, I misclicked. Sorry, Kevin, and everyone else who I subsequently have to do this to. <laughs> Good luck. Um, Kelsey, Kelsey's trying to put a fucking amateur take. On the show during MSI. I mean, why not? Top, 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 Keck, Kelsey. What you want? I you just wanna... mean, I just mean, I'm a little worried that the show will feel a little one note. Normally, we have at least one or two other things besides MSI going on, and like, quite frankly, while Rumble stage was entertaining, I don't have. I'm. I will be surprised if there's like a bunch of fascinating takes to have uh, over the next hour and a half plus. All regards regarding MSI. 
That's my take. That's a, that's a hot take. While you are pulling folks though, let's do some read readouts. Okay. Thank you to Dokimion, Billy Day Meyer, Sev TST, the devious one, the high ground with the tier two photo, LOL, Nucle, Loco Beast, Zarth Pie, the fish gaming, Christabel, I love you chat, Jammin uh, TST, Colombian, uh, Takuchi, Vanilla, Teapot King, uh, Dapopo, AWOL, well, I'm I'm probably ready, Mark. Whenever I'm, uh, I'm... oh sorry, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go get someone. Sure. Uh, Panda, Shadow Specter, and Fish Sticks. Thanks, folks. Oh, and Rainy Day Vibes. Thanks, everybody. Um, let's see. Mark should be grabbing somebody next. Any moment now, he'll be returning. Let's hope yep. Discord works. Kevin is here. Kevin, where are you calling from? Hey, I am calling from the D.C. area. The D.C. area. What do you want to talk about on the show? So my take is that EG has a higher chance of upsetting than G2 does. Okay. Why do you think this? I think over the course of the tournament, SKT has kind of leveled up, and a lot of their problems uh, early on were meta-related, and kind of the team comps they were playing. I think now that they're kind of shying away more from these like win hard super early and going towards team fighting more, you see them playing a lot more cleanly. And I think the last game against RNG showed that pretty well. I think they've cleaned up a lot of their mistakes and they're a harder opponent. And as well, I think uh, EG is a really strong team fighting team. So I think as the meta's been shifting there, we've seen like the Nocturne Galio picks coming out. I think that looks really good on them. And I think they have a good chance at taking some games off RNG. Uh, so I, I think this is interesting because yeah, I expected you to do more of a comparison between EG and G2. And then you took it kind of in the opposite direction of like who their opponents are. Um, uh, ahead, I actually like that angle a lot. Um... Because I was going to argue, you know, if you, if you took the G2, I think a lot of people, you know, this is a North American show, would have taken the, oh, no, no, G2 got lucky they beat us, but they're the only, we're the only team they can beat, whereas we can beat T1 and yada, yada, yada. But I, I think uh, the angle you took there, Kevin, is one I, I can actually get behind. I think there's a world where the best of one, the meta, too much self-expectations they put on themselves the same way that north america can crumble to pressure like any team can do that and I, I have a feeling that t1 for a factor of reasons particularly what you're talking about the meta and stuff um and like guma yushi like just the interviews that guma was putting out was like bro that's not a healthy mindset to have where he's like i played like shit today <laughs> and you're like oh my god and you could see he was struggling but i think like he was also struggling probably just because he was freaking out um so yeah, for sure it, it like it has to be mentioned uh as, as much as it's kind of been harped on for na the rookies that are playing skt also has pretty much three rookies playing and uh, the korean community can be even crazier than the western i mean the yeah, only definitely. the only thing to note here guys is like while that was happening with guma pretty similar thing was happening with danny I mean, he literally tweeted like, I suck, I'm gonna retire soon or something like that. 
um, on Twitter. So I don't want to just like. Why ignore- did he tweet? I'm going to retire. What? So let I me see if see I can this. go find it. Yeah. I mean, I mean he it deletes was... his tweets, so it's probably gone. But oh, did he? I I don't think so because I rep- I replied to it and I looked at it again um, later. Let me let me see. Uh, yeah, but if you yeah. can link it in, in somewhere so I can look at it because I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, well, um, okay. While you look for it, I'll oh, no, say I, that I, just found, I found it. I found it. Okay. He, uh, this was in reply to uh, Impact. I'll put it. I'll put it in the Twitch chat, and then I'll I'll link it to you on Discord, I guess. Yeah. No, I got it in Twitch chat. I mean, maybe he was just trolling, but he also like retweeted the 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 tweet up that I did about his. Oh, no, it was the core JJ. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he said, "I'm just bad. That's why I retire soon." This was after uh, EG lost the first time to T1 um where they were just making some pretty big mistakes so yeah. i don't know i yeah. i think Danny was struggling a lot too and in my interview he seemed pretty bummed he like quote tweeted it and was like this is real or whatever i mean you can it's you can go see it on his tweets um or he's yeah whenever i had i had tweeted out the video of him saying that he's been pretty disappointing so i think he was struggling for a while i'm hoping that sort of their their victory against T1 and stuff will allow him to like get in the right mental mindset, but I don't want to pretend that he wasn't struggling mentally. No. And to this point, because it's more about T1 compared to G2 and EG compared to RNG. I can also agree that like Danny was underperformed for a little bit. He mostly seemed to get the mojo back more or less by uh, end of group stage. I think he was, he was okay. Um, but yeah, but I think the point with the T1 angle for Guma and the drafts and the whole team's pressure and trying to be, keep this weird undefeated match streak alive was they did not play that well, but they just beat RNG. They finished second. A lot of their losses were throws around Baron flips because they kind of flipped a lot of Barons. Um, and they lost a lot of those flips that you don't always lose them. And in a best of series, there's more of a buffer where in a best of one, it's just an L. And so like, even in their losses, they were almost always dominating for portions of the game. So I think there's an angle to be made that they are the best team in the tournament. Um, G2 is a little flippy and RNG as good as they are, even though they finished group, you know, top of the groups um, was maybe the most consistent compared to G2 and T1 um in terms of their performance i think they're really good i i think this is a hard sell because i do think rng is really good but like if i was going to go along with kevin's line of logic like this is this is the angle i would take is that t1's actually the best team in the tournament and g2 uh is closer to the performance they showed in the second half given that they lost to multiple pool two teams i think the reason i struggle with this is also one i like it because in one sense because it's the it kind of presumes that there's less of a chance for an upset than people might think. Like just in, in coming at it from the angle of like, well, T1's been leveling up, et cetera, et cetera. So you might think that like EG's odds are bad and they are, but G2's are, are worse. So it's kind of a funny way of saying like, we're almost certainly not going to get an upset. But I <laughs> I think this, the struggle is it's just we like – T1 has seemed so inconsistent. I mean, they've had games where you would not, if you took nameplates off, you would have never expected that it was an LCK team that was that was playing. And so 
I think what's been kind of funny is RNG has almost like flown under the radar this tournament because no one's fucking talking about them because every other team is doing more interesting things and those interesting things usually involve something boneheaded. And so like nobody's talking about RNG because they're just like showing up, sitting down, playing a so, game, doing the things yeah, they're in, supposed in, to in do, and then waiting. It's you kind know of I mean? funny. It's almost like the LPL and LCK have had a role reversal where all of a sudden the LPL team is like the consistent one and the LCK one is flipping it barren and doing these crazy throws. Yeah. Here, Here's yeah. another way to frame it because I, I see what you're saying, Travis. I think there's a world where G2 are more likely to win a game against T1 than EG is over RNG. But EG is more likely to win a series over RNG than G2 is over T1. Because T1 might just in, like throw one of their games at Baron like they always do. And RNG might just beat the shit out of us in 3-0 EG. But I think there's a world where Bin has a bad day, Wei has a bad day. That's probably one of the best matchups we can hope for is Inspired versus Wei uh, in terms of junglers. So there's an angle for EG fans to be like, you know, we, we are able to win topside, and RNG's early game is not insane. It's not T1's early game. And EG, at their best, just play face roll comps. Um, and so you have good drafts that are face roll comps. You get some early leads, and you just kind of hope you can win these team fights. Though the way that EG kind of won playoffs in, in NA, it was like not like they were big-braining people. They were winning team fights and skirmishes. Um, the reason it's scary for T1 is because, like, you just assume at 15 minutes they're going to have a 3-5k to 5K gold lead every game. And that's really hard to win a full series against. Whereas yeah. RNG are not quite as, as dominant in lane. I think the bot lane is, is still a terrifying matchup, though, for EG fans. Because Gala, Gala I wanted to talk about next. Because I was just thinking in my head down the line, like, Impact and Bin, okay. I don't think that's, you know, really favored one way or another. Impact's got a lot of experience in a pretty deep champion pool. And then Zhao Hu versus Jojo, that's probably Jojo's easiest matchup, like out of all the four teams. But uh man, bot lane, bot lane dust definitely looks rough. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a funny thing to debate because to Travis's point, it's probably like a three one or three oh for both series, anyways. <laughs> yeah. I I will just tag in here. I the, I have the benefit of having done Rift Reaction earlier today with Emily. So I will just steal what she said, which was RNG is like a better version of EG when it comes to play style. And so this is like not a good matchup for EG because uh, they both play similarly and RNG does just does it better. So it's going to be difficult to imagine a world where uh, EG comes out on top. Yeah, they got absolutely fucking blasted. And that was maybe... I'm trying to remember the T1 loss. Was it was it absolutely brutal? The game that, uh, that EG lost, the first yes. loss to T1. Yeah, yeah. Because that was the they, one where they were kind of slowly Danny... losing. No, no, no. I don't think so. I think that was the one where they were just making really weird mistakes. Like that's the one that Core tweeted out and was memeing on, because mm -hmm. uh, it was so goofy. That's where he tweeted like, "There's a multiverse where like all of this stuff doesn't happen." But oh yeah, no wait. That was a that was a game that I think EG were actually looking relatively competitive in. Oh, yeah, well, the RNG game was definitely. No, 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 no. no you have it right. It is it is T one way harder than SKT, or sorry T one. 
it, it was the T1 game, but like they were pick, getting picks on Guma. They were actually playing okay. They, they were down gold, but they were like, um, they were okay until Danny got caught. Um, yeah, and, and maybe like a team comp diff as it went on. Yeah, exactly. So like either way, I think the RNG smash is the worst smash that EG had in, in playing or in, a, in Rumble stage. So it, they are scary. I, I do kind of agree. Maybe it's a bad matchup. I don't know. I think both 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 matchups are hard for either of the Eastern teams yeah. or excuse me, Western teams to win. Yeah, I just I tend to have more faith on the G two roster than the EG roster, just because if you told me, you know, with they they both have high levels of variance, right? In terms of high highs, low lows. That's what I think we've seen about both G two and T one over the course of Rumble stage, and so I think that variance leads to a world where it's a lot easier to imagine. G2 having a high high and T1 having a low low when they match up and G2 coming out ahead because like T1 just did not roll their dice correctly. Thanks so much yeah. Kevin for the call. Is there anything you want to shout out before we uh, take a quick break? Uh, at the same time or maybe a little bit before I saw Captain Flowers is streaming and uh, he's got a very nice beard right now. So shout out to that Flowers. Are you advertising a competing stream at this moment, uh, Kevin? I'd love to go never. pull it open actually. Uh, I would let's, see, let's see this beard. Uh, this let's see Captain Flowers beard. I missed a phone Cat call. Flowers 22. Dear God. All right, Kevin, thank oh. you for the call. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right. Um, one one final thing I'll say to, at the very end of that conversation is uh, EU is much better than NA historically <laughs> at international competition, which uh, you know best of ones group stages control your ass. There's a lot of times that G two has actually done incredibly well at tournaments and had mediocre looking group stages. Um, and so there's an angle that like we're all just being lulled to sleep and G two is actually significantly better than we think. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to talk about Alienware, our sponsor. Thank you so much to everybody who has been using my code to purchase Alienware products. Uh, I think I just got a really nice message from Alienware today, and I think that they are, are very happy uh, with how things have been going this year for the, the partnership, the relationship. Uh, so thank you to everybody who's been doing that. Uh, I've had a lot of people messaging me saying, oh, I purchased this or that or all these different things because of you that stuff is incredibly helpful so thank you uh we are uh still working on that site upgrade but alienware.com travis go check it out there's some cool stuff there we're going to get it updated soon with some cool stuff and uh thank you to alienware for sponsoring the show they make awesome things and you all are awesome for supporting their support of our content mark you want to go grab the next caller yeah that was that's good. Thank you. Uh, Joe Badaya, thank you for the 14 months. Really appreciate it. Uh, I was going to purchase an Alienware laptop with Travis Gafford's code till I heard his Doctor Strange take. Why are people... Okay. I had a bunch of... Like half the comments on last week's episode were about my Doctor Strange opinion. It is like fascinating to me that people... Uh, are that upset that they like they go leave angry comments about this stuff um i i just like please leave me alone okay joshua's here joshua where are you calling from uh hey y'all i'm calling from kansas city missouri kansas, kansas city kansas. missouri what do you want to talk about on the show well i wanted to talk about how uh g2's run and you know the lost streak that came after it is kind of just proof that 
the international gap is mostly mental, and uh, it is at least small enough to be traversed by strategy for the most part, and that EG has a decent chance of winning MSI and at least as, as good a chance as G2 does uh, at this current state. And if you'd like me to elaborate now, I can. Yeah, please, please do, because I think I'm having a hard time following a little bit. Okay, so G2 was smashing everybody, 24-game win streak, right? Didn't lose a game during group stage, although that was against Order and EG. Uh, started out beating RNG and T1. And I think that I think that it's safe to say that in this tournament, at least in MSI, every single team does not look clean. Um, every single team, including RNG and T1, especially RNG, having been in the top lane, who's been running it down some games. They have Wei, who picks Bolivar and runs it down sometimes. Uh, T1 is Gumayusi, who has also been running it down. They have players running amount. stuff down. Yeah, people, people are, everyone's running things down. And so I think that the skill gap and the actual mechanical skill gap, no one is getting Chovied at the time, unless you're like a minor region. Everyone in the major regions, at least, are staying within a decent, you know, skill-wise, just mechanical skill-wise range that is accessible and leaves it open to where strategy and team comp can kind of just traverse the gap, if there is any gap, where there is mechanical skill. And I think that the teams, or this tournament itself, is more complicated in that we have to look at how teams play and their matchups. And I think kind of something that y'all were talking about in the last take is that how teams match up against each other, that I think T1 does just have a really bad matchup into EG because EG is really good at team fight and T1 is really apt to throw games later. But I think that uh, so, something that a lot of analysts have talked about is that even these Eastern teams are not as good strategically as are not ahead of the meta as they have been in the past. And I think that uh, that can be seen in a lot of these teams thinking they, they kind of create scrim bubbles and they think that certain things like um, a great example is the Callista, that it seems like a lot of the Hydra teams started playing Callista and thinking that Callista was really good. And they kind of got into this scrim bubble where Callista was really good that, you know, may have baited a few of the lower teams, but it's not actually that good. And what we're really going to see is that the strategy that comes out in these best of fives is going to dictate the course of these matches. So, you know, if Peter Dunn and EG can come up with some kind of sick strategy, some flex picks, um, I, think the, I think a good example of this is the most strategically advanced match that happened in the entire Rumble stage was probably the last EG versus G2 match with all the flex picks that came out. Strategically, this was probably like the most adept and smartest drafting that occurred the entire time and shows that EG and D2 are probably a little bit ahead of T1 and RNG uh, when it comes to strategy. And I think that can, even if they are not exactly as good mechanically, kind of traverse the gap where I think that all these four teams, each of these four teams has a decent chance to win. Okay. I know that was kind of just a lot. No, no, a no. Lot it's, of it's, therapy. Yeah. it's good. I mean, one of the things that it made me think about that I had a thought over, over Rumble was like, Going into this tournament, there was so much ado about the 35 ping. And it was a lot of like, oh, you're going to see these like major mistakes where people are you're like, oh, that was 35 ping or whatever. What's been fascinating to me is that I feel like teams are losing games more because it's like, why did you go do Baron at that point in time? Like, that's not that's not a 35 ping decision. That's like a bad macro decision, right? Or whatever like and and so i don't know i don't know if to your point and some people in chat were talking about this too where it's like oh the reason why we don't see games being decided on because of like split second mechanics decisions is because of the ping 
but it really does feel like it's actually just like teams are making really weird strategic decisions in some cases weird draft decisions just like the, the decisions that they're making that are losing them the games are not the split second uh you know skill shots it's the like broader broader things i'm kind of curious what you think of that mark uh i don't know about that there's been a lot of games that also have come down to mechanical like the danny one that we were just talking about like shit maybe he could have shifted that hook on nine nine ping eight ping instead of 35 i don't know it's like you'll you'll never fucking know and the haters will say no it didn't matter and copiumers will say oh he would have been fine or whatever uh, I, I think mean, there have been a, a number of mechanical plays where someone gets caught where maybe they, they wouldn't have gotten caught or something. Um, and like, that's not always like, it's just harder to notice that than a fucking five man into Baron <laughs> where like Callista doesn't walk into the Terracle or like, you know, they just like, it's just harder to know. Like you will know for with 100% certainty when a team fucks up at Baron, that was a bad decision, but you won't know if it was 35 ping or not when a player gets hit by a skill shot that they might have been able to dodge. I think and that so, the thing is a little bit of a separate issue, but... I, yeah, I, I mean, this we're, this is not your point. This I'm just responding to Travis here a little yeah. bit about, like, I think it's a... a impossible, like, it's confirmation bias. Like, you'll just think whatever you think because you'll never know either way if the ping was an issue or not. So the people who think ping was a, was a, was an issue will still think it was an issue, and people who don't think it's an issue won't, won't think it's an issue because you'll well, never I, get I guess I right say... or wrong. I guess I shouldn't say I'm not saying it's not it's it's uh, not an issue, but it, I am surprised that what feels to be bigger moments of failure for top teams has frequently been like yeah. Baron flipping and stuff like that. that you would not expect out of these teams. No, I mean the Baron flipping out of T one is. Uh, I mean they they have for a while been very ambitious around objectives, is what we'll say. Um, so that's it's not too much of a surprise, but. I, I think it goes to my point. Like, yeah, you're always going to see when someone fucks up at a parent and get aced and lose the game. Like, this is easier to see than a skirmish that doesn't go well. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, I think that the most important thing that we're seeing, not seeing at this tournament, and that we're seeing, we've been honestly seeing less of at every international tournament that's occurred, is just less people getting completely lane gapped, like gapped to the point where the game is over. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, you're good. I, so that was where I was going to go a little bit with your type. Um, I I don't think I fully agree. You made some points that I think are fair. I think like scrim bubbles and the Eastern teams not being ahead on the meta is actually very true. I think a lot of teams um, undervalued the importance of just good team fighting team comps and uh, objective bounties have looked very important at points and just being able to win a fight despite being down a couple thousand. <laughs> um, and so I, I think that point I do definitely agree with. And the, to the Callista point, I think there are a number of picks that bait you in scrims, TF being one of them, being a global champ that prints gold and can influence the map earlier, easier than any other champ in the game, basically, is a big fucking bait when you're in scrims to know if it's actually good or not. Uh, same with Callista, same with some of the early game other champs that don't seem as as powerful later on uh and, and bot lane as a meta this is the song i was talking about on jlxp that i'll repeat here uh is the bot lane meta is the weirdest bot lane meta i think i've ever seen where um we're in a team fight meta and 
your bot lane is almost as decided by the AD carry counterpicks as it is from the support counterpicks. And a lot of traditional metas, you can pick things, power picks like Kalista Thresh, Kate Lux, Kate Karma, um, Lucian Nami. And you could technically do Lucian Nami, but it's getting banned out. But there's usually something that you could early rotation AD carry wise and be fine. Or you just slam either side of the Jinx Ophelios matchup because it doesn't fucking matter. Um, and in this meta, your AD carry counterpicks actually matter. Kalista shits on Ezreal. You have Tristana countering Kalista. You have it very difficult to blind your AD carry early on in a draft. And I think people have been doing that for the entire year up until around this point. And it's made drafting like feel weird for a lot of these teams that there's not really these obvious safe bot lanes that you can just slam early to then focus on your solo lanes and other things, which throws a big wrench in how um, historically people draft. Like it's very common to draft bot lane jungler in your one, two, three, unless you're power picking mid lane or something. Um, and so I think there's a lot of weirdness going on in the current meta where it's a team fight meta, which AD carries are always important in team fights, but no one knows what the fuck to pick for their AD carries in these comps. <laughs> and so I think that's that's part of the reason you're seeing this, this meta volatility that's going on right now. I 100% agree with you. And I kind of think that that's my point that T1 is the team that's insta-picking TF, and they have a high Callista priority, that these Korean teams are the teams that right now are a bit behind the meta, they're just outplaying other teams. We're about to get into knockout stages where the real inherent advantage that Western teams have is they have larger and better coaching staffs. Like EG probably has like four or five coaching analysts put together while T1 has like Pult and then two analysts. I mean, obviously, Faker's a smart guy, but like, that is the inherent advantage that Western teams have. And I think we're all kind of ignoring that going into these semifinals and knockout stages that like they are right now behind the meta. They still have priority on TF. If we just agree that TF is a bait pick, like T1 was just first picking TF as of yesterday. So are we, kind are of we sure point. that the West has bigger coaching and support staffs? Because uh, um, it's actually something I'm not 100% sure on and it hasn't been the I, case historically so i would be surprised that's something that ls has always talked about because he's like kind of was thinking about signing with t1 and he knows the scene in korea and he says uh, that that's like the the pay for coaches and the amount of coaching staff that we have and the minds that we have on almost every western team is more than in korea and they just don't value it the same so uh, I think uh, it's definitely true for a lot of Korean teams that you kind of have like a coach and a, a, like a couple other guys. Whereas like in North America, at least you have coach those same couple guys, but then also probably some positional coaches or like hardcore analysts as well as sports psychologists and nutritionists. And like the support staff is quite large. Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, like quantity versus sure. quality or something, for example, you can always debate a little bit. Uh, but I don't think that that's true. For, I think I think Chinese teams have have much bigger staffs, and I'm not sure European staffs are as big as American staffs. That so could staffs be, that could so, be true. Stay, but I, I, as as like it's been described for T1, like Faker is the coach, and although Faker is a really smart guy, clearly, you know, like one person can't stay on top of the meta completely while playing the game. Okay, so here's where I'm going to. I've agreed with you on, on draft and stuff. The mentality thing, I think it, mental state is super important as we've already kind of talked about, but I do think there's some insurmountable differences sometimes, just like skill still matters, team play still matters. 
like RNG are really fucking smart about the game and like how to play out mid to late game situations. T1 has insane laners. Um, like Zeus is winning both sides of GP Gwen pretty fucking dominantly. You know, you don't like, oh, well, we'll just be smarter. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, shit, he wins both sides of skill matchups. What do we do about that? You know, like that's still I a mean, part I of mean, the game. There, there are ways you can you can draft around stuff like that. Like obviously, what you're saying is true, but you can ban Gwen, like pick Orn, if you think that Zeus is their best player, right? Yeah, you can draft my, my... in ways that nullify advantages. But I completely agree with you. Like Zeus is cracked, but also we just I, I would agree with you in a world where T1 looked like they did in previous years, where they just looked like they don't make mistakes. But I think every, yeah, but every team has enters right now. And yeah, but Hulk you're EG's enter. I I agree. Like that's the thing. But Anyways, I'm just saying that there's much more volatility. Let, let Mark than... let Mark talk, Joshua. I'm you sorry. pause I'm and then you keep picking up. Co-host of Hotline League, Joshua. <laughs> sorry, I have a I have, I have a history in like collegiate debate, so I talk over people. That's I'm I'm working on it. You're good, dude. Um, I was gonna say you still have to spend resources and you have to modify your draft. Like I'm not saying you can't contain or control good players, but like. That's something that the people who are have disadvantages that's a pressure on them and so um i don't think that the teams have roughly equal chance it, that being your end statement you have some good arguments within there but no fucking way i would say rng and t1 eat up about 65 percent of the pie 70 oh, percent actually... of the pie my original take was that EG has at least a 20% chance and as good a chance of G2. So my take was that of winning MSI, not this series. Yeah, so yeah. I, of the, yeah, of the whole tournament. So, yeah, well, yep. I guess we're kind of in agreement. What? No, I said that they are taking up 65 to 70. If EG and G2 are both at 20, that's 60% at most. I'm, I'm saying that you oh, got okay, an extra... Okay. I'm saying yeah. there's, there's more... Because if... if at, at least G2, and to get to 65, math-wise, you have to do 17.5, right? To, oh my, to, okay, wait, we're getting a little into the weeds on well, the equation. Uh, yeah. My point is, I disagree. It's more slided towards the Eastern teams than you think. Uh, All right, yeah, the NA, the NA Joshua, you wrong. thank you for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we go on to the next caller? Um, All hail North America. Um, <laughs> Mark Z is a non-believer, and we should ostracize him from the church. Yeah. Thank you so much for the call. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. All right. Off to the next caller. Thank you to Jobadiah, Kylo Zen, and Liberi uh, for the subs. Thanks, everybody. Um, we're getting – it's so funny. We get lower viewership during MSI weeks, and I don't know if that's because there's so much more content or it's because North America is just not watching MSI. And so they're less interested in this. Obviously we're also doing this, but it also just means we have, I'm, I'm down about 30% on my subs. So if you're subbing, just know it's mega appreciated. If you have a prime, uh, it's always nice. Sucks to, to do international events and just have not as much people excited. But I do appreciate all of you in chat. First time chatter Night Angel says, but we're still here. Still, this is your first time in the chat. Uh, Zemelkai is here. Zemelkai, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I want to talk about... Uh, my take is that despite a mediocre group stage, Rumble was actually a huge success and has redeemed MSI as a tournament. 
Um, okay. I think there's like two different angles to this. Uh, so, firstly, uh, one of the main things that people are complaining about with group stage is just that you have like a ton of games that's just major regions shit stomping on minor regions. That's just not the case with Rumble Stage. Like, even Saigon Buffalo, who were the people that like most arguably got shafted in Rumble Stage going to an eight, still had like a bunch of interesting games. It's VCS, like it's super bloody. Uh, it was just fun to watch. And like even some of their losses still looked really close. You also had stuff like the G2 like upsetting at the start and then going on the huge loss streak. Just a ton of like really interesting narratives. Um, and then also, I think this is kind of less talked about, but uh, because like Riot actually finally sorted out a lot of the ping issues and just like even if the 35 ping situation isn't ideal for the whole tournament, because it like got to a place where it worked and it just like functioned properly, that also then just made the tournament better overall because we could just move on from that as a topic. All right, so the general take is Rumble Stage redeemed MSI and it all worked out in the end. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought this up because I was a little worried that like people are going to be like, oh, okay, everything's fine. Um, you kind of have this moment where because we moved into Rumble and this feels good, we forget the fact that like the beginning of this tournament felt really bad. And I, I worry a little bit that Riot's takeaway can be, oh, hey, people just don't like that stage, but they still watch it anyway, and then they forget about it by the time it's over, so we don't actually need to make format changes. So I guess I'm curious, Melkai, are you advocating for uh, less format changes? So this is the thing. I actually think this is a much more compelling argument for format changes. Um, like... I think the 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 stark difference between rumble stage and group stage is an illustration of and like the community response to group stage and rumble stage is an illustration of like the failings of group stage uh, but also like is a path for like MSI to become better as a tournament uh I don't want to turn this into a formats call cuz Jesus, that like makes. But I feel like long, you did though. But... I feel like you're uh, like. Well, I just put out a video uh, about formats. I was gonna say, Margzi's video about formats is one good example, or you could like go for something like a GSL. But, like, it like, it clearly proves that the problems with MSI are to do with the games that you're serving up to people, and like Rumble gave people like the type of quality so you want to take the like parts of rumble that worked and try and spread it to the earlier parts of the tournament as well okay you, you brought me back around i was i was, i thought i was going to be a big disagreeer um because i thought the takeaway to travis's point was going to be see msi is fine everybody we just had fun didn't we if you ignore the miserable week before um but i think you know saying that like see look everyone we just had fun msi can be a good tournament we just need to change a couple of things. Um, I think that's that's something I, I would generally agree with, Travis. I don't know how you feel. I mean, I think it's really tough because you can't separate 
like we 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 you can't separate the first part of the event from this part of the event that just occurred, right? Like for instance, you can't just say, "Hey, like this format works." Uh, you just like it, it demonstrates what you know. What worked about Rumble Stage was we had four major team region teams, and then you had PSG and Sam's or Sam Saigon who can uh, contest them all slammed into a group, all taking games off of each other. That's what worked. And so it's like, if you want to, in my mind, it's like, if you want to say like, oh, this can be the roadmap to like a better MSI than the roadmap based off of that is, you should just have more of these top teams all play against each other. And, and maybe that is the roadmap, right? Maybe the takeaway is like, you need to figure out a way to condense and get the bad teams out faster or something. But like, I just, it's, it's a tough t thing for me to take this and and be like well rumble's good so like we're most of the way there it's like yeah rumble's good because we got rid of the teams that people didn't like watching uh in a lot of the major regions so i don't know it's so it's like kind of the circular I, logic thing i think so are you agreeing or not agreeing i think it's just the i don't i'm doing neither i think it's like a weird conversation to have i guess is the best way to put it like it's it's a it's or no it's, I think I sorry finish your thought no no, sure? no I'm struggling so feel free to throw me all right question. here's here's why I agree with what Zemelkai is saying you can look at what is making this fun for people and try to make that happen elsewhere in the tournament so like what's making this fun for people is obviously like you said matchups between teams that are good that we're invested in. Obviously, we're going to enjoy watching these teams play more. But I think the games are also just closer. To your point, like, I don't love the VCS as a region. There's nothing about them that makes me go, woohoo, I'm a VCS fan. They, they just play good League of Legends. Even though they, they, they dropped some games, they actually were closer to winning a lot more. The games were competitive with each other. And I think if I were to turn my eye back at then... Like, okay, competitive games make them interesting. Saigon versus PSG is, is an interesting game because they're playing and these games matter. If I look at the <laughs> Rumble stage, the problem is not that I'm not watching the top teams play enough. I'm not watching the, the bottom teams play each other enough. And I'm watching games that are groups. irrelevant because the top teams have already qualified. Like, those are the real problems for me. When you look at Rumble stage, you did still have some dead games towards the end of the day or whatever, but like the games were much closer. There was not nearly as many stomps, which made it more fun to watch. And then obviously we just want to watch G2 versus EG and like none of those games, or uh, G2 versus T1, but that doesn't happen in the first stage of the tournament either. Maybe if you had some way to unlock the top teams playing each other, the bot teams playing each other, get rid of some of those dead games, you know, cause that's what makes this part fun. You know, yes. I think- I get, but I guess, Maybe I do agree. It's, I just feel like the route to agreement is weird because I don't necessarily... Th I just I disagree with the premise of this statement, which is like, oh, the Rumble stage has redeemed MSI because I just am like... Yeah, but it the Rumble stage exists as part of MSI with group stage as well, and group stage is bad, so like, it, it's just hard for me to kind of like come on board there i'd rather just say like you'd rather the be format cynical. still sucks like it 
It's not uh, yeah. like we it, it it didn't it might have redeemed MSI. It did not redeem the format. I guess is maybe yeah. the best way to put it. So like, who cares if it and, redeemed and MSI? The format to, still sucks. You know. To your point, Travis, all those things I just said that we enjoy top teams playing each other in competitive games is true in any fucking format. Like you right. could put the top major regions, their regional champions, into any fucking format and make them play, and we would probably enjoy it. It's I hard to think, fuck up a tournament at this stage. I also think we got lucky with Rumble in, a, in some sense because a bunch of crazy shit happened that we didn't expect to have happen. And maybe you make the argument of like, well, that's the value of best of ones or something. But like, I I mean, who would have predicted G2 ending their win streak by going into a loss streak? And who would have predicted T1 dropping a game to EG? Like, I think a lot of the things that occurred are more based off of like luck and if you want to believe it like 35 ping then it was the format here so i don't know i just um if i could interject with yes. a counter argument so i think that like i think it's interesting that you because i think that you could say that like any interesting tournament has an invariable element of luck to it like any because what makes tournaments interesting and why why we have tournaments right is because we don't know the results before they start like we think we do like we think t1 are gonna win you get people who call in last week and say t1's gonna go undefeated in rumble stage all the way through to like the end of the tournament rip that person's take but like the reason that things are interesting is because there's that room for variance. So I feel like saying that that variance happening is like something that sh like shouldn't be occurring and is somehow a benefit that shouldn't exist to the tournament is kind of wrong. Because I think that that variance occurring is the whole reason that we play the tournament rather than just like handing T1 the trophy beforehand. No, I think I think that's a good point. And I think maybe the idea is that the, ver the, the chance of unexpected things happening is way higher in this rumble stage than it was in the group stage. And so that is perhaps evidence that like the group stage in this current format is bad because what it was, Azale tweeted out something like, 33 out of the 36 games between major and minor regions went to, to the major region and the only three that didn't was like the G2 matches. I people are going to go look his tweet because maybe his stats are slightly wrong, but it was something close to that. And like it's it's been going around a lot. There was like so far there's been 66 best of ones. About half of those are between, you know, major and minor regions and in those there's only been three upsets of and like so the I, 30 something. I think a couple of years ago there was the decision to change to this format and you know presumably in part because haha now we'll get china to watch but i think also because there was this idea of like oh the wild cards are really stepping up like i remember that narrative and in reality <laughs> like i don't think that the wild cards did maybe just like vietnam did um and so and and you had cis for a bit but unfortunately you know like the couldn't attend this event and I, you know, I don't know where they're at in terms of their ability to do so in the future and also in terms of their general competitiveness. And so like, I, I think the thesis of let's change the tournament so that we have chances for wild, like they've, they've not earned it. They unearned it. 
If they earned yeah. it previously, they've unearned the right to face the major teams now because G2 was the only one who did it. And let's be clear, EU sucks compared to NA. Of course, they're going to lose to wildcard teams. Well, and to that point, though, like I do like seeing the major regions compete earlier in the tournament. I'm not like morally opposed to China playing. It's just like, so Zamelka's point about like the chance for the unexpected to happen. I think that's more of a symptom of the problem by making the top teams play them. Like, it's just that group stage format sucks ass, dude. Pool one, pool two, pool three, pool four, all in the group together is like, it's the, the gaps between them are huge. Whereas a pool three team at Worlds could be like the third best Chinese team. And, and who knows how good they are? They could be, you know, like pool three at Worlds is so different than pool three at MSI. And we're building our groups like it's fucking Worlds teams. Where in reality, the pool three team's probably never going to win a fucking game over the pool one seed. And even if they win one, it doesn't matter. Um, so to that point, I think trying to find a way to make them interesting because you don't know what's going to happen is because the format's bad and you have to fix it. So yeah, I, t I totally agree that these are things that... It's also just an opportunity cost is the way to put it. It's like, if you can make something better, why not? Like, yes, this group stage was fun. I agree. But like, we can also make something better. No, you, Rumble stage. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I think I agree with like what you said overall. I think if the one... So the one issue that I'd specifically say in response to your video, Mark C, is that whilst I like your pitch and I think it's good, the one flaw in it is that I think that Riot is too addicted to group stages. And I don't think that like they'd be willing to scrap group and rumble, which is why we should instead go for the solution of making groups a GSL format. I'll just let people Google that, but like Valorant uses it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's literally just something they could easily incorporate and then make Rumble best of three so that we're not watching, like, 66 best of ones or whatever it was. Those my, two my, changes. But, yeah, my, I, I, my, that's a whole nother call. My counter that would be, just imagine my system as groups that end after one day. <laughs> you anyway. start with a 12-team group and then there's two 16 groups the next day. Uh, thank you, Zamelkai, for the call. Uh, I do appreciate your <laughs> caveating around Riot's addiction. Is there anything you want to shout out before we say goodbye? Uh, yeah, I uh, want to shout out uh, Mark Z. This is a I want you to watch something. I don't know if you're aware of the channel Secret Base, but they do sports documentaries and their series Dorktown, I think you would find really interesting. And I want to have like the start of next week's Hotline League. I want to hear Mark Z's thoughts on Captain Ahab, the story of Dave Steve. I don't I'm looking like Mark at watches on... very many sports documentaries. I don't, but I'm not put, I, I just like, doc I watched the Julia Child documentary. I just like documentaries. It's Captain... great documentaries. And like, uh, it, John Boyce is like, it's like one of the most fascinating ways of like presenting data and telling stories. It's Wait, there's, good. I just clicked one thinking it would be the entire documentary. It's part four and it's an hour and 15 long. How it's long is this like, fucking documentary? It's four parts. It's like four hours total, but you can like watch each part. Like it's very well split up. Okay. Zim, okay. Thank you for the call. Yeah. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Have a good one. All right. 
uh, off to get the next caller. Thank you to... Are you sure you don't want to do an ad read now? Yeah, I want to do one after the next one. Okay. Because it's only been about 20 minutes or so. 40 minutes. 30? Osiris, the Apostle, thank you. Shindai, the Carry Bear, Boom Shakalaka, Tactics, Gaiden TV, It's Kyler, and Shavul. Thank you, everybody, uh, for the subs. Climbing back the sub stuff. Maybe part of it is I haven't been streaming Genshin as much lately, so maybe I need to do that. Uh, Kayo Kyo, is that how you say your name? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, what? Uh, first off, are you playing League of Legends right now? Uh, no. Okay. It's uh, saying to me that oh, you're playing... I'm in an empty lobby. Okay. Okay. It's off Discord's offering me to join you. Uh, where are you calling from? <laughs> uh, from Quebec City, Canada. Quebec City, Canada. You're a little quiet. I've turned you up as much as I can. I don't know if you can get closer to your, your mic. Uh, uh, does that sound fine? Yeah, that's that's way better. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, my take was that the bias from casters and trying to push storylines is making the main broadcast less enjoyable and that it also undermines the performance of some players during the tournament. Ah, interesting. Okay. The bias from casters and trying to push some storylines. Um, would you say that Mark Zimmerman in the group stage? Whoa, was whoa, I wasn't casting. I wasn't casting Rumble. He was talking about Rumble. Okay, Otherwise, he no. would have been here last week. Exclusively Rumble. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you want to... What? Where are you seeing this? Go ahead and elaborate a little bit. Um, well, I'm not going to say, obviously, any caster's name or anything. And This is not directed at anyone in particular. But, for example, there's a lot of, like, during games, like, backhanded com comments about... Uh, lower region players uh, undermining their performance. So, for example, uh, we'll see some casters say things like, oh, this guy is inting right now doing X play. And when a player such as, let's say, uh, Caps, for example, is making a really terrible play, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so making comments like that is undermining uh, those lower region players and makes the game and the broadcast itself less enjoyable. And also it undervalues how good the broadcast and the people watching should take a lower region teams seriously or not. So, for example, we saw G2 lose two games to PSG, so we shouldn't necessarily give the benefit of the doubt from pool one teams, players making mistakes like, oh, he probably, he, or like the famous comments we saw during the group stage, oh, Caps sensed it. Like, I'm not sure why we're giving the benefit of the doubt on really questionable plays, but we're not also doing the same thing for uh, minor regions. So are, are you t does this include group stage? I know Mark was making a joke, but does this include group stage, Kyoko, or was it mostly PSG? I've watched, uh, I've watched every single game from EU and NA. So that thing, that's what I've seen from those games in particular. Gotcha. So, so, so that might include us versus order. Us meaning G2 and EG versus order games. Um, yes. so, one, so generally speaking, it sounds like what you're saying is uh, a minor region team makes a bad play and people are like, oh man, like that was just so bad, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas a NA or EU team makes a bad play and they go like, oh, that was uh, an unfortunate mistake that they just made there. Like you're saying it's just kind of in the tone of the way that they push it. Exactly. And it also spills over from sometime the, uh, the desk. Or when we're talking about uh, we're trying to push really f hard the narrative of Yankos and, for example, Caps being really good in this tournament. But I think it's 
it's kind of doing a disservice to players like Targimus. I think he's by far the most surprising player of this tournament. I think he's been smurfing in a lot of games, and this trying to push so far that, oh, Caps is a really good player in the ankles at the top side of the map, it's taking away from some players' performance, such as the rookie support for G2. So, coming into this call, I didn't know the angle you're going to take about the anti-narrative, because there's a lot of times that people push back against narratives, and I feel like they're just being babies. <laughs> and it's like this, like, oh, I'm actually the smart one, and fuck these narratives kind of thing. Um, and I thought you were going to, that's not quite the angle you're taking. And I find myself more sympathetic to the point that, like, when good players make mistakes, because they have a lot of name value, they often aren't called out quite as hard. Uh, whereas teams from minor regions or that are not from our fan bases, we're less, we're more inclined to call them out. And so, um, you get this mismatch where like, yeah, they're maybe a little worse than us, but they get painted as much worse as when, like when a good team does something that when a good team does something dumb, it's not necessarily called out or a player specifically. So I think, I think I'm aligning with you. The only problem is even though I'm watching these games live, I'm like kind of out of it. And like, I honestly don't remember any specific plays that you're talking about. Like the cap sensed it one. I legitimately do not know. Yeah, that's part <laughs> of my challenge too. Is I don't, I have not seen this, and it's hard for me not to just assume that it's a situation where like it's not. Like Kaya, would you say that it happens consistently throughout the entire game, or because part of the reason I ask is because if Caps is like four and zero, and then he makes a, a a stupid play and dies once, and people are like, "Oh, that was unfortunate." I think that's a lot different than like if, well, even though I know this, you're not talking about major regions. If JoJo goes like zero and four and on the fourth kill, they're like, oh man, JoJo's just really struggling, can't get it together. It's just making all these mistakes left and right. Like, like I think context matters. And I, if the fact that so many of these minor region um, teams were losing every single time, I feel like it's probably just more likely that they're going to get called out versus their major region counterparts, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. They're obviously going to get called out more because uh, the result of the game makes that they're losing more games in, uh, than the major reasons. But uh, I think we should see like every play objectively as like this was a bad play instead of just saying it was a bad play because a bad player made it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm here's the thing. I'm actually pretty simple. Like, I just don't have a good enough memory <laughs> for the calls themselves to, to, to know exactly uh, good examples to use. And again, I know you're not trying to call anyone out. Um, I will say Freak flames everyone fairly. Some people in Twitch are talking about this. Freak is, is easily the most critical caster in the world. Probably in any region, I would bet. <laughs> um, but he'll do that pretty fairly where he was like ripping on Guma and stuff like that. And when G2 was winning, uh, he was he was giving them their dues. And I think he was enjoying when they were losing too. I don't know. Um, I know for me, I had, it was actually against NA, one where I missed the setup for it and I was kind of flaming Vulcan and like it was a mistake but like not at all for like any of the reasons I understood because I was I, casting can sometimes be hard to track everything going on in the game because like sometimes I'm pulling up build like you have two computers there you have the computer that the game is on and then you'll have like another just computer and so like sometimes I'm looking up build stuff I'm looking up historical information really quickly to make a point I want to make Sometimes I'm just not looking at the game closely because I'm looking at my caster to like indicate something. You have producers in your ears, not to make excuses, but like 
there are times where you will miss what just happened on screen, which is the setup to then the kill happening. And so someone in chat mentioned there's a time where Kobe was flaming someone for dying to Zeus, but there was a gank coming. And so it was between either like killing yourself, trying to 1v1 Zeus or getting 2v1 by the gank. I would not be surprised if Kobe was doing one of these things I just mentioned. Looked back, saw this guy take what looked like a 1v1 and then was like, oh, what an idiot. He couldn't win that 1v1, um, which is not good. To be fair, but like I did that with Vulcan in his play where I was like, how the fuck did he get there on the map? That was dumb. And then when I was doing the blame game later, <laughs> I rewatched the play and I'm like, wait, he was there for a totally justified reason. I'm an asshole and an idiot. Whoops. Um, you should have like put that time, in the blame game. It was it was like too tangential, but like I thought about it where I was like, oh, shit, I'm an idiot. Yeah, you should uh, make that the bonus blame at the end to yourself. Yeah, um, but like these kinds of things happen. Um, and... I wouldn't be surprised if some natural biases creep in where like sometimes you don't you see the exact setup to break it down. You're like, oh, well, the bad player died. <laughs> so or, you're like, or you're just in a world where there. you're like, you have that built in your mind of like, oh, Caps is doing so well this tournament. Oh, he's on it. And like everyone is pushing this so hard that whenever he makes the mistake, you're not going to you're going to give him some extra slack that you're not giving to like the mid laner on the other team. And so it, it, it can be kind of like a self-perpetuating cycle. Kyle, the, the only thing I can think of where I was kind of having this and I was messaging Mark about it was, I think it was like the beginning of the second day. Um, where it was like PSG versus EG and the casters and the whole broadcast was just like, this is the battle for fourth. And I was like, this feels really weird. Like it. Oh, feels, I do remember that. Yeah. I like, and I was messaging Mark about it where I'm just like, everybody is universally saying this is the battle for four. Like we're on the beginning of the second day of rumble. And like, I know that look, I, I think it is reasonable on a show like hotline league or on some of these other shows, or even like the diver euphoria to like speculate on say like, okay, well we think it's going to come down to a battle between PSG and EAG probably because G2 and, T1 and everybody look really good. But I think it's really weird when you're like starting off the second day of the rumble stage and you're like, so these three teams are getting out in the top three and these two teams are the only chance of it's like, it becomes really strange from a storytelling and broadcast perspective. And so that is one place where I will say like, I felt like the bot, like the bias and expectations, like it, it was kind of like, well, why are we having yeah. the rest of these games? If like, we've already declared that this is the battle for fourth in this in this in this match i just i thought that was very strange so um yeah to, to wrap it up and go back to like some of the narrative points i wish i had paid more attention to know exactly um so i was just kind of spewing out some caster information um yeah i think that's a fair point that people maybe paint with too broad of a brush at times um but i i don't want to shade anyone and i know Kyokyo doesn't. And so um, I think it's a good call out that like this definitely, I agree this happens um, and something that, you know, people should, should be careful with. How do you but... fix it, Mark? Let me ask you this. Cause we're not going to call anybody out, but like, how is this something that changes? Right? Because I think unless I'm not saying that the answer is to call people out, but it's like, it's the type of thing where I just worry it will continue to occur unless there's like a broader conversation that occurs around it. I mean, this maybe is, a question I won't be able to answer because how big of a problem is it really? I understand for Kyokyo it feels bad. And I think for some people who 
um, are watching the game and like when I'm VOD reviewing, I'm so much more in tune about what's going on in the game. Even if I've never seen the game before, I'm so much more aware of what's going on because I don't have to worry about talking. I'm not have to worry about stepping on someone's toes when I'm casting. Like you're not doing anything. You're just fucking watching the game. And like, you'll probably notice some things. Um, and so on some level, it's just like inherent that casters are going to have one, you're human. So you're going to have your biases for what you think heading into the games. Like if I think Jojo Pune, what I said at the top of the show, has a legitimate argument about who was better this rumble stage, him or Caps. Someone else is just going to think Caps is better than Jojo because, duh, historic. You know? And, like, we're each going to have our biases we're bringing in, and that's going to influence what you say. Then there's the imperfect nature of casting that, like, you're going to make mistakes. Um, I think that you can't get rid of it. And I would say, how big of a problem is it really, other than getting under the skin unfortunately of people who are watching the game closely and you know when you get something wrong they get pissed like all the twitter analysts when you when you misspeak will come out and you know clip you saying it wrong and be like you fucked this up and you're like yeah well what do you want me to do well, you know kyle, like i'm, try I'm like, trying to be better kyle it sounds like mark doesn't care about your issue <laughs> no. and does not plan to work on it at all and well, nothing hold on be before it, before you dismiss him kyle kyo did anything i say here make you more even if it doesn't change your opinion does it make you more sympathetic to how some of this stuff happens i'm for sure more sympathetic uh, towards the casters that are casting like directly live because obviously like you can't catch everything you're seeing and necessarily have all the angles but i think i think there's more egregious part that are like for example on the desk um i'll just give like the example that marked me the most is at some point they were talking about how yankos is finding a lot of really creative patting and ganks and they show a play, and they get one kill, and they they cut the play off. But what happened after that one kill is that they traded two players from G2 on EG that time. Uh, Inspired came and read the play and killed Yankos, and after kill, I think it was Flacket. So I was like, we're saying he's finding creative paths, and we're cutting the clip short. Like, it, arguably, you could say like he just made a bad play here. The the net it was net negative for G2 that play, but we're cutting the the clip <laughs> short. So just That's great. things like... like that are are kind of kind of yikes. <laughs> It's like, okay, cut the camera, cut the camera. Yep, that was great. That was exactly what we wanted. Yeah, it goes so good. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Oh, God, this is making me want to do a segment for, like, if EG play, like, RNG and lose the game, I just want to take all of EG's good clips, good starts to team fights, and just cut the clips early and just paint <laughs> the whole thing of EG playing well and then fucking, like, oh, yeah, by the way, RNG won the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I, so here's one angle I'll give you. Again... I don't know what happened in this play. I, I don't know the segment. Sometimes there are miscommunications between the producers who are making these clips and the talent who is saying things over them and appearing on camera. Um, I'm a rather critical person. Uh, and so I, I definitely get into arguments about why did this element roll now? It made me look dumb. Why did this element not be exactly what I requested? Why are these things happening? <laughs> and uh, you don't have control as the one speaking about um, what your point is. And so uh, someone could be saying, hey, Yankos is really good. And there's a clip that involves Yankos. And someone decides, oh, they said Yankos' name. I guess I'll fire the clip. And even though the person talking knows that this clip does not correlate at all to what the fuck they just said, someone fired that clip up. And now you're like, well, what do I do? Because I'm talking about Yankos. Yankos is on screen. Do I just destroy my point being like, oh, yeah, here's where he's going to kill himself anyways. 
ignore what I just said, or do you just like roll through it and hope that like people like you don't notice that the clip and what you're saying are mismatched? Um, this happens sometimes. It's tough. I don't want to say like I'm just throwing like shade at producers. They're fucking idiots. Haha. I mean, it's hard to know sometimes where talent's going to go because if you miss the cue, then the talent's also pissed at you because, hey, I said the, the guy's name. Why didn't you roll the clip with the name in it? You know, like <laughs> they don't know where we're always going. And sometimes we ramble and sometimes we're incomprehensible messes. Um, this is just kind of the sticky bits, the gross insides of broadcasting where like it could be no one's fault. Uh, so I, I don't know in that situation if like if, if this was them actually pulling a stupid clip and it was like actually disingenuous and like shame on you people, talent requesting that, or if it was a snafu with broadcast, just like playing a clip when they shouldn't have. So Kyle, not only does Mark not care, but if there's any mistakes, it's the producer's fault and you should blame <laughs> production. The casters think, are not fucking this stuff up, okay? Buddy? I think these conversations are good because no one understands the craft of actually putting on this show. And, like, it's a time where I can finally talk about these things, you fucker. More like the crap of putting on the show. <laughs> oh, my God. Mark thinks you. that Riot should start hiring people that can read a fucking play instead of making him no, look bad. I know, I know I'm such a whiner. I know I'm such a whiner to my, my producers. I'm sorry. I'm, I, that's why I said that. Like, it's going to sound funny if any of them are listening to this and hearing me go like, oh, the, it could have just been the producers fucking that up. Probably not the talent's <laughs> fault. Like, I, I know that we're annoying. I know that we're so obnoxious. I know they're obnoxious. Kyle, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? Uh, no, I'm good. Oh, okay. Well, spoken like a true Quebec caller. Anyway, thank you for the call. We'll catch you next time. All right. Let's take a quick break to talk about Grubhub. Guys, I have yet another Grubhub code for you. I know this is the only reason you tune into the show. You sit through the whole thing so that you can save money on your Grubhub order. And this week, the code is 10TRAVIS or TENTRAVIS, depending on how you decide to uh, look at it. Uh, but one word, 10TRAVIS, uh, the word T-E-N spelled out at the start, that'll get you $10 off $20. Uh, this is the first 500 people who use it, and it's valid May 23rd to May 29th. Uh, again, it's $10 off your Grubhub order of $20 plus only for the first 500 orders. So please go check that out. It's actually awesome when you guys use that. And I mean, that's a pretty good amount of money. You can order some uh, Chipotle, some Jersey Mike's. We love Jersey Mike's. Ten, $10 off $20 on this. It's fantastic. Uh, so go, go check it out. Go order some good food. Use this code. Save some money. It's fantastic. Uh, thank you so much to Grubhub for calling or for for sponsoring the show and for our callers and our viewers who use their codes all right mark is off to grab the last caller uh walker is duder says this promo's just a hair too campy for my liking i wasn't expecting this get roasted idiot rob is here rob where are you called from I'm calling from Seoul, uh, South Korea. Seoul, South Korea. Oh, wait. Are you the person who messaged me and said that you were going to go to the, sh yeah. the... Yes. Fantastic. Okay. And you... I call, called in a month ago, too. I yes. was talking about MSI tickets. Yeah. you could. So you got a ticket. Yeah. The first day of Rumble Stage. First day of Rumble Stage. Okay. 
So break it down for so us. It was What's... When, when G2 beat T1 and then beat RNG and it was all hype and everything. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. What What do you got for us on the show? So the um, narrative around like the boosting library, like people talking about how you know shitty the Korean audience is. Um, a lot of Reddit has been saying like Koreans only cheer for Koreans. Korean audiences suck. Please don't have any more tournaments in Asia, etc. Um, and I think a lot of it is to, to kind of pile on the riot production, like. Mark was last call. Uh, just a lot of it is the production, uh, the venue, and some of the choices by Riot Korea and everything. Um, I don't really think it's anything to do with like the, the crowd not being excited enough. Well, so um, paint us a picture because of your experience at the event. Because I I will say I've been a little surprised at how few like crowd shots we get. Like what yeah. the event looks so like. It's been I really hard to, picture... to tell. I sent you a picture on Twitter, actually. Yeah, um, I saw that. So uh, that's a shot from... I'm in the very back, so there's nothing behind me. Wait, where is um, so, oh, so, I'll say it on Skype, Travis. Okay. Yeah, yeah so um, during the T1 game at the very beginning, uh, it was pretty full um, and very excited. But one thing is that the venue is not very big. It's just kind of like a room in a convention center. And uh, it's just like four screens, a bunch of folding chairs, and um, there's not really that much there. It's not like a big stadium or anything. And there are not that many people, especially during the middle games, because it's uh, going on from 5 to 11. So at some point, people go to eat dinner. Um, and so I think that this was one one of the middle games in the picture. It's um, Saigon Buffaloes versus DG. And... You can see that there are a lot of uh, chairs empty, yeah. um, and there were not even that many chairs to begin with. Like even during T one, it wasn't a huge amount of people. I think it's maybe I'm pretty bad at eyeballing because I haven't gone to many other events, but maybe like a thousand. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, another thing is that uh, the I don't really feel like they built much hype. There's not really any crowd interaction. It's kind of just they're playing the Korean broadcast on the screens. There is no in-person talent, like broadcast talent. Uh, there was no fan interaction. It's just kind of like sit down and watch the screens, and occasionally there will be like a team on the on the stage. Um, a lot of the crowd in the middle can't even see because the screens are both like the far left and far right. So you can't even really see what's going on unless you like get up and go walk somewhere else. Um, it just wasn't like a very great like fan experience i think have you gone to any north american events or even just like the lcs no i wanted to go to newark but it got canceled um um yeah. one sorry I have, I have no frame of reference i was gonna say because uh the whole no interaction with the crowd is very weird to me um for example in houston you probably don't see it because most people at home it just goes to commercial or whatever. But there's usually a hype man whose job it is, is to keep the crowd energized and invested and not just like checking their phones. So like they'll be shouting things out. They'll be like, hey, I'm here with this guy. It's T1. And like just like walking around. They're doing shit. They're throwing shit in the crowds. They're doing like little mini games, you know, like, all right, what's the answer to this question? You know, and, and they're doing these things. And to hear that there was none of that, um, yeah, there, there was zero. Um, it, and all the hype stuff was just like playing the same hype video that you see at home. It's basically, it's literally just playing the Korean broadcast on the screen. 
Uh, all, I, from what I could tell, the Korean broadcast talent was probably broadcasting from Seoul, except for one interviewer who was like in a back press room or something. Um, I don't think that they had any broadcast talent in person. It was just camera people, security, players, and the fans. There was no nothing else, no broadcast. This um, is and so fast. Outside of this room, there the only like fan interaction was a small merch booth, and it was just Riot merch. It wasn't even like, any team merch. There was no like team, like there was no like T1 reps or any teams at all having like anybody there selling their merch or giving out anything. Were there um, concessions? Was there like food and drink or did people have to leave not, to get food? You had to leave to go get food. Um, so, I mean, there were a lot of restaurants within walking distance, but basically you were going to skip a game if you wanted to go eat. Yeah. To, to your so. point, you know, people leave for dinner. I was like, initially I was going to be like, well, that's kind of lame that people leave for dinner, but then you have to unless yeah. you're just gonna yeah. not eat five o'clock six hours what <laughs> yeah. do you have any other pictures that you can send us caller yeah i i, I can find real quick but yeah if you want to talk while i yeah yeah, yeah yeah well yeah. travis while, while he looks uh, this is surprising to me yeah no it's surprising that... to me i i knew so i, I was this is why it's great. TGI has on the ground reporting from Rob. And, well, I was and about to Tucson. say my joke. My joke was going to be Travis. I know you're not a reporter anymore, but it would be interesting to do a video about this because I know that you've been tweeting as well that like it feels like the LCK crowd is getting slammed for the Busan Library memes. And initially, you and I were like, "Oh, maybe it was just the mix," but it sounds like on any given game, there's like five factors for why you might not have a hyped crowd. I mean, so it's definitely partially the mix because what happens for sure is a like okay in a normal in a normal team fight situation, what you have is like a ramp up where you have like pe like the audience starts to get excited and you can feel it build, and then like they start going crazy and when kills happen they're like gasping and all that stuff, and then like at the end people are like clapping and cheering. What it feels like frequently happens on the broadcast right now is like a kill happens. And then somewhere in the back, somebody goes, oh, shit, somebody died. And they press a button that unmutes, like, a really shitty mix of cheers. And they hold it for, like, half a second. And then they let go and it insta-mutes again. And it's, like, fascinating that's, to that's me. That's what I think, too. It, so, so, like, I thought that at the very least one of the big issues was um, just, okay, yeah, this is a video. So I'll have to figure out how to how to get it on, um, on, yeah. on the show. But um, uh, do you mind if I show your Twitter, Rob? No, it's fine. Okay, okay. I just yeah. want to double check. Well, while um, you feel that, I'm sending another one too. Um, the the other thing I'll say that makes it potentially difficult for the mixing side for the actual people doing that, uh, I don't think that the production has very much, if any, ground thing. Like for themselves, I don't know how many people from the Berlin studio, the the Neo production, were in Korea to like control this crowd audio levels whereas for houston for example like that was all na production baby and so if they had a problem with how the crowd sounded like they had the audio people they had control of the broadcast they had like the microphones they could go figure out where they should be set like they could they like it was all under their control i wouldn't be surprised if in this situation Ber the berlin studio is just being given something from the korean side mm -hmm. I, I i don't know for sure but you might just be getting like an audio track like some feed that's like audio noise, like crowd noise, and it could just not be good. And so that's why they don't run it most of the time. So, so that that is 
fair, Mark. I think what is my my response to that is like to the average fan, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? No, like, for it, sure. Yeah. Like, because this is and I and you and I, I the only reason I want to bring it up is or I'm, I'm not trying to call you out, but it's like we we all tend to go like, oh man, like Riot X was fucking over this Riot X, and so that's why this happened. To the average fan, they're like. Riot fucking failed. And they're right. Like they like they have not done this is the first international event with fans and it feels like there are not fans there. It feels like they've got like a weird audio track that they play when somebody dies and and so that's like problem 1. So problem 1 for me and I was surprised there was not more people complaining about it was like the the audio mix. And I think the people that aren't complaining about it are aren't complaining because it's it's hard. It's like a very subtle thing, and we're also used to having events where like there's no crowd. That like we all kind of forget what it's like to have a crowd. Um, but this is a whole nother problem that I did not realize because I thought it was just the audio mix, and now I'm realizing that like, Rob, do you think this was a shitty event? Uh, I enjoyed it because it was my first league event, but yeah, I think that Riot kind of really dropped the ball. Uh, I have another little point about the the audio mix too. Is uh, everybody got thunder sticks on their seats, and I, I think most people are, unless they're really passionate, are not vocally cheering. They're usually like really clapping hard with the thunder sticks. But there were a lot of moments where I would go back and watch the vod, and then that didn't get picked up at all. Um, so I think maybe vo vocal cheering seemed to get picked up a little bit. But a lot of the clapping, I think, didn't and made it seem like they're more silent, like they're sitting there angrily or something. Uh, like, I mean, I think it also T1 just was... sucks. Sorry to, to cut oh, you off, but ahead. I think part of the, the thing is also like the venue sucks for creating a an experience. Like normally you have a venue where you have like stadium seating or like it's more yep. concave. And so you have a situation where the audio is able to like actually percolate i saw somebody in the chat say this feels like a a middle school like conference or like middle school presentation Gymnasium. where they bring everybody into like the auditorium and just yeah. like sit them in shitty chairs and like that's exactly what this is like i i was surprised because this feels like mlg in 2012 not the fucking biggest esports event in the world can you imagine if you were like a sponsor and you walked in and you're like Oh yeah, we spent millions of dollars on sponsoring this event, and like this is the the in person experience. Like, I yeah, I'm glad yeah. that you did. You, first off, thank you for calling in. Second off, thank you for sending this stuff because like what you're getting is kind of Mark and I our live reaction to what seems <laughs> yeah, to be like. Just... <laughs> I just I didn't know what I expected the venue like looked like and anytime yeah. you get shots I mean Riot is very strategic about making the shots look good so it's players on stage it's like the crowd from certain angles or whatnot um, yeah and like some of the stuff is is honestly underwhelming you know like for you have two international tournaments a year and like this is more underwhelming than most regional finals I've been to um, yeah I I think that uh, like for a Korean fan, I can imagine a lot of them probably have at some point been able to go to LCK in Seoul because it's a small country. And they probably were not super hyped because I imagine the experience in LCK is a lot better. You have fans of both teams like cheering, like their, their team chant and everything. Um, also, like the champ select, um, I think on the English broadcast was muted uh, for the audience. Like there was no um, audience sounds coming through, but... Uh, there were some moments that I like went back and looked like 
when Caps locked in Zoe versus RNG, uh, the crowd was like going crazy because um, they know the Caps is really good at Zoe and everything. And there was just like none of that that come that came through. So when I was like sitting there, like looking at Reddit between games and everybody's flaming the audience and how quiet they are, I was like getting really mad. So that's part of yeah. why I wanted to call in. No, I, th- I think this is a really cool, and I do hope Travis, you make because pe- not everyone's going to stick around for the last fifteen minutes of Hotline League. No, to, I mean like, I might see... clip this out um, as a separate video because this is yeah. just fascinating to me. Because even these moments, like as much as we're saying, oh, you know, like the venue and they didn't have hype people and all that stuff. I'm like looking at these, you know, the sticks and the crowd cheering. And I'm like, that would get picked up if it was like mixed correctly with like a good audio source. Like those sticks are loud. I've heard those sticks at like 2018, 2019 worlds quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're telling me that people are cheering at champ select, I can just imagine when we're getting all these crazy flex picks between G2 and EG in the last game. You know, like what that sh- I can I can like hear what that should sound like, yes. and now that I'm thinking on it, I'm like, of course. And like I, I was thinking, like, well, it's the middle of the night for me. Maybe I'm just like being stupid. But now that you're saying this stuff, I'm like, yeah, wait, where is where is this like atmosphere that is just missing and what makes events? Yeah, normally, hype? normally what happens is like a crazy thing gets locked in, and the crowd goes ah, and then like the casters are excited and they're talking over it, and like it builds into this. Whereas like you're, this is just not. It's just not happening. And, like, to your point, uh, Rob, like, it's actually crazy to me that there's no central screen. You know what's, like, yeah. I, I'm really, if if anybody follows the Korean forums, like, uh, like, Invin, or what's the, there's another one that a lot of people Weibo, use. Weibo, if you mean for. No, it's, I think it's Na- Naver. Um, oh, yeah, Weibo. yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I'd be, because here's what would happen if this happened in the U.S., um, like if this was worlds or something like that, there would be a Reddit thread where people would be like, yo, this event sucks. Like there have been mistakes that they have made in the past where like people couldn't see a screen. And so what they do is they roll out like TVs so that people can see better. And like, there's a bunch yeah, of drama. Actually like, good usually. Yeah. Yeah. Normally there's normally like you get a giant Reddit thread, a lot of people talking about it. And then, uh, really quickly, sometimes they they will fix it over overnight. Obviously, this I don't think is super fixable because it's literally just like half a convention center with a bunch of chairs. But but like, I'd be very curious to know what Korean fans' thoughts are on this. And I wonder if they know that their like their a lot of their audio is not getting picked up. Like, I I don't know. Um, but this is just fascinating to me um yeah and i I also have some like real quick thoughts on the rng thing because that's also kind of related because like every oh they the fans get a lot of flame for not cheering for rng yeah Uh, it's been talked to death about like the who you know why would you cheer for your rival team and everything like that i'm not going to make good sports comparisons um but i will just say like when you have a the only like trickle of fan interaction that you have is that there is a team on stage and when you have one actual team on stage and one, you know, five empty chairs with a screen with faces on it, uh, you know, you're going to probably be more biased to cheer for the team that's actually there because that's the only thing that you're actually getting from this live experience is to be able to see the team and, you know, see them in person. They bow for you at the end of the game. They wave at the crowd as they go up to bow and everything. So, I mean, 
RNG when they show the cams or when they show the cam of their room. Like when the game is over, they just kind of like get up and leave. They don't like stay around or wave to the camera or bow or anything like that. And I understand it's stressful for them, but it's like the whole like I feel like the people in in person are very biased, regardless of all the others, you know, country factors and all the politics and everything. It, and the bribery, it's already predisposed for them to not cheer for RNG, but the fact that they're not even there makes it, I think, more excusable for the fans to not be interested in seeing them win. Um, I just had, like, sorry, I, I don't know. I think that's, you made good points there, Rob. One one thing I was just thinking about is I've seen some people talking about how at the same time the CSGO major was going on. And I think a lot, like, to kind of bring it back to something we were talking about, I think even before the start of the show, which is what Riot is doing in terms of budget cuts. And I think, I think, okay. So I haven't talked to her at all about this. I don't want people to think that I'm like, whatever. But like, Shocks made the decision to go work the CSGO major. Now, it's in her home country, and I think it's really great. But like, by God, even if it wasn't in her home country, she probably made the right decision. Because when Riot does stuff like this, where they're like, we're going to hold this giant event, but all the broadcast is going to be in a different time zone where you have to wake up super early. They have a shitty audio mix, so you don't have any of the fans' audio coming in. Like, the this is an international event, and it's being held in something that looks like a high school gymnasium. Um, I just, like, what are we doing? It's got a shitty format. Like, what is this event? Like, Riot. Riot could do... They, they used to be the best of the best. They put on all these events where, like, it just felt fucking amazing. And we're now at a point where, like, this is what we're doing. And I'm just, I'm just like, how did we get here, guys? Like, how is this what we've become? Uh, Rob, thank you so much for... Uh, <laughs> Raz in chat says I'm reporting Mark for this. Um, <laughs> uh, Rob, thank you so much. This was invaluable. Um, and uh, I guess part of the, one of the downsides of me not being physically at an event, you know. So hopefully in the future I'm able to to do uh, more of this and talk about this earlier. But so uh, the one great fan interaction was that Caps's dad was in the audience near us, and after G two B RNG. Uh, People were lining up and taking selfies with him for over half an hour. He, he was doing videos. He was like posing. He was every, like, he was being like the best, basically. At, you know, giving the fans you know some some kind of experience that they won't forget. Um, so that was really awesome. So shout out to him. Thank God, Caps', Caps, Caps dad, dad should be the hype man. Is there games. to save this fucking event and the in-person experience at it? I want him on stage with a microphone, being like, "Let's see some cheers for G two. This is where we've gotten. Where we need Caps' dad to come to the event to give people a reason. Oh my god. Oh my god. All right. Well, uh, fucking moments like this, Rob, are why I'm really happy we do things like Hotline League because it's so so yeah. cool to get like a fans real take and fans perspective because this is something that I don't think any of us would have known about. So um, thank you. Thank you again, Rob, for calling in. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, I think I just did my shout out. So I guess shout out to my wife 
for letting me take vacation, <laughs> use this vacation time to call into a podcast. Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you as well. And thank you to her for helping us. I'm, hopefully you have a, a good rest of your vacation. And I really appreciate it. So we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Bye. <sighs> Raz in chat says, uh, I'm telling Elsius heads what Mark has been enabling in this conversation. So. It's not my show. Whose whose channel is this? I can't control the content that appears on here. Mark, who pulled that collar? You, you're supposed you, to you, censor uh, this stuff for, I, for the sake of that games. I, I didn't think he was going to... I thought we were going to roast the Busan library. That's why I pulled it. No, I knew he, I knew he was going to defend the Busan library. I just, you know, I, I didn't see the pictures. I didn't see the videos. I didn't know, you know? That's so crazy. It's actually so crazy. Like, I just think about that in comparison to spring finals just now. Yep, exactly. I think for you and I and NA fans in particular, it is the most jarring. And like, maybe there are, I know that there was just a COVID spike and all that stuff, but like, I, I feel like at the very least, there are things they could be doing to make that a lot better. And, um, Wow. All right. Well, I'm sad to end the show on this note because I'm. It's actually one of the craziest hotline league calls I think we've ever had. Um, but uh, thank you to Rob for calling in on that. Uh, Mark, anything you want to plug? No. Um, I I should have another blame game this week for the bracket stage or from a rumble stage. I haven't picked a topic yet though. The problem is. Everything that I was going to blame game kind of got reversed on the last day. I was like, oh, is T1 overrated? Let's talk about it. Then they fucking beat RNG and they look actually really good. I mean, I can still do these, you know, but like, is G2 like terrible or something? And then they beat EG and like stop their slide and look like, okay. Um, I already did EG. RNG is the number one team, you know, like I think a lot of the sexiest topics ended up kind of resolving themselves before I got a chance to respond to them. Uh, so I'm 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 a little bit struggling to know what I want to talk about. If you have a good blame game idea, tweet it at Mark because uh, he needs ideas. I guess I could do a blame game on the Busan Library now that we have this context, but I don't know. That Wouldn't seems like about, a great way like... to ensure you never get international ca uh, <laughs> opportunities again. No, that's the problem. They should have kept me in Berlin, so I couldn't have done this show. Would never have known. I, yeah. If you just keep me so, if you keep me busy working on the product, I'll never have a chance to slander. <laughs> it's a bribe, essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Raz says, "Give me this. Mark's spot." Okay. You well, want the blame game too? You want? <laughs> I think he means. I'll this. go to shit. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that's it. I've got. I did. Um, two interviews that'll be coming out uh, so probably tomorrow or the next day with Broken Blade and well tomorrow as we record this but uh, Broken Blade and Inspired which I thought were pretty good uh, so be sure to check those out also tomorrow night is Media Night well Media Day I guess in Korea where there's a bunch of opportunities to ask player stuff I wonder if 
Normally they have the opportunity to ask Riot official stuff, but I, if I recall, the Media Day... Media Day will provide an opportunity for engagement with players from the four remaining MSI knockout stage teams. Each team will participate in a press conference and ask their questions from from media. Normally, wait, did they cancel the opportunity to ask Riot executive stuff? So last year, last year they did, um, and people can go find this on my channel. Before finals at um, at MSI, they did a opportunity to ask John Needham and Nas. A bunch of questions and then half the questions ended up being about the format and they dodged a ton or maybe, maybe that was worlds maybe i'm thinking about worlds i think it was worlds where they got yeah, yeah yeah that's what it was but they i think normally at these msi events they also on their media day have riot people ask questions are available to ask questions and uh it'd be funny if they normally do that and they're not doing it this time otherwise i would be asking about this stuff um okay anyway just stay tuned for that there's gonna be press conferences on on the twitch channel tomorrow uh thank you to rob for calling in thanks everybody else this has been the show i will uh catch you all later